show. Already shared around. Sharing hey, it around. Hey, hey everybody. everybody. Welcome to the pre-show. Welcome to we the talk pre-show. About what we're doing the show. My eyes have been killing me lately. Goma's been hitting that special hug uh, a yeah, lot yeah. lately. He needs to get some visine to get the red out. Maybe a little less scotch, 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 mm. and some more water. I have both. Drink them. Have both. Drink them till you stink them. Uh, this is the part of the show where we talk about what we're going to do on the show. Uh, fun-filled from- week. It was a pretty solid week for comics. Not nothing like last week, but um, we had a lot of quantity and quality last week. This week, some good books, though. Some solid books. Yes. Yeah, Segment one is good. Books. I watched a Christmas movie. I'll talk about it. Ah. Uh, uh, DC announced a new publishing thing. Thing. 2023 for next year. Did you yeah, get we'll that thing that. I sent you? What thing? That thing I, I sent you. I don't. I don't think so. If you're a fan of Harvey Birdman, you know what I'm saying. Oh, I don't remember this at all. No. Mm. Uh, more sins of sinister news over at Marvel. James Tinyan getting into the paper. Tiny Ion. Tinyan. Tiny Onion. Tinyan. Tiny Ion. Tiny Ion. Tiny on. Tiny on. Anyway, gonna start slinging some more paper comics, and then uh, we'll talk about Free Comic Book Day. They released all the books that are coming out Free Comic Book Day. That's it. Double free. dose of food news. It's gadgets this week. Food gadgets. Christmas is right around the corner, y'all. So if you're looking for something to buy, get me that gadgets. saw. Uh, and then it's a bunch of comics. Oh, look, there's Taylor. Is this Hi, Taylor. Hey, I wasn't, ex- right? I wasn't expecting a David today. Yeah, ah. it's, a t- it's a Dave Dave week. Yes. I, Dave I, week. I had my uh, I had my facts mixed up, I guess. Yeah. Well, you most I wasn't of the here pre-show. to remind you last you time. Most of the pre-show. Well, I was sick earlier this week. I was actually sick all week, man. Oh, Thursday night. Day. Yeah, I am feeling better, but wow. There's a lot of shit going around. It's like a triple dose of terrible stuff. Stuff, man. Goma had strep throat. <clears throat> I don't know what I had. I had something terrible, but uh, yeah. So it's gonna be it's chock full of awesome. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll, we're still doing a show tomorrow, but Dave won't be here. Nope, I won't I be here. Be. But yeah, still happy Thanksgiving. Let's do the damn show. Let's do the thing. Mm-hmm. If I wanted a joke, I'd follow you into the john and watch you take a leak. <laughs> I had a dude getting all mad there here too. I had, like, oh, I'm keeping that. I'm keeping dude getting all angry with me bugging. It's heartwarming. You can't do comedy like that. It's like the only thing. Giving, you know? Yeah. Uh, greetings, geeks. Welcome back. It's another episode of this Geeky Comics Hour. Geeky Reese Comic Book Shit Talk Show. Comic Book Shit Talk Show. Romer Taylor, David. How's it going, guys? Good week. Hey, Fun you week. blew it. You said comic book instead of just shit talk show. Oh, it's the extended version. Director's <laughs> cut. 
Oh man, there's things you just can't get away with nowadays that you could in an '80s movie. Yeah, uh, I watched a Christmas movie this week that was brand new. I know it's a bit early for that, but not really. Uh, a Christmas Story Christmas. Okay, so I'm interested, but I was worried about this. So I'm interested. You should be a little bit worried, but I mean, come on, nothing is ever going to destroy the the nostalgia that is the first one. And the thing about this is right. Isn't this like the movie? Isn't the first one like the movie they play like every Christmas for like yes, 24 like on hours? TBS. There's that one channel, yeah, that just plays the 24 hours. For the longest time, yeah. I never saw the original Christmas story because my mom hates the movie. And so when I was a kid, wow. she wouldn't, I never, wow. she, would, she didn't want to have it on. So we never saw it. That's but weird. um, when I've watched it later, I, I did not understand because it is charming. Why did you hate this, mom? Yeah. So the original is, is quaint. And kind of cheesy, you know. It it's has like its, a period it's piece. charming. It's, it's charming. Yeah, it's not necessarily good, but it is extremely charming. Yeah. So this is as quaint and cheesy as you'd expect a nostalgia fueled revisit to be. All right. So basically, Ralph goes home for the for Christmas. Right. He's got two kids and a wife, and he's taken a year off to write like a novel. Right. But what he's written is like this huge Asimov esque. It's in the 70s, right? Asimov esque sci fi thing that nobody wants to buy. Right. So Chariots of the gods. Yeah. That kind of shit. Right. Because <laughs> he's like a nerd. You know, he's a fucking nerd. Yeah. So anyway, his father passes away as they're driving there. Right. So in the process of him writing his obituary for his dad, he ends up writing the story. That we know from the original A Christmas Story movie. That's a pretty clever way to it's frame meta. it. Like yeah. it's meta too, man. It's meta. Yeah. So all Christmas movies are cheesy and lame. All right. That's the point. Right. But they, and they all feed off like this vestige of nostalgia. Yeah. You know? well, and that's why it's important because we feel like it's a vestige, even though it's ingrained into all of society. Christmas will pretty much never go away. Unless society does, right? But I was mostly just worried that, like, it would just basically be like, hey, here's the leg lamp, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know? Oh, that's exactly what it does that. It does that. Okay, okay. He goes into the attic and explores, and yeah, there's the tasseled, you know, lampshade, you know, there's the pink. Oh, well, the, I guess the actual leg lamp was destroyed in the original movie. But exactly, you know. exactly. Uh, so, yeah, this is a unique entry, right? It, it's, it's able to lean hard into the nostalgia because the movie that it's sort of based on is become so ingrained in nostalgia. Well, you know yeah. I mean? The original Christmas story was oh, yeah, for sure. Brandon kind of trying to capture like the nostalgia of Christmas in a yes. lot of ways, you know? Yes. Like, exactly so. it, like yeah, <laughs> they made the movie in like the seventies or the eighties, right? The original one. The I think 80s. they're like, like yeah, the early eighties. Yeah. And it was set like way the fuck before that. So like it was, yeah, it was set like in the 50s. Be, yeah, yeah, it was intentionally trying to be nostalgic from the get go, you know? Yeah, for sure. And this leans into that in, in really good ways, you know, but uh, yeah. Brandon in the chat, thanks for stopping by listening on Facebook. Can we stop and uh, do a moment in power Rangers? Yeah. For JDF for sure. I mean, Jason David Frank passed away. Yeah. Um, we're hearing it's suicide, man. It's yeah. There's been like reports that, that yeah, it's suicide struggle with depression and that sort of shit. And it, it always boggles my mind that people who are this popular and this famous don't have that support system. But 
in a way, you know, he well, stood for like this strength, you know, when he my reaction on. is kind of the opposite that this is all too common, you know, oh, it's, right. It makes, yeah, perhaps it is surprising that. Oh, they thank you, Brandon. Appreciate but, it. I got a bunch of G ones hiding too, man. Really it happens it. too often for me to be surprised yeah. when I hear stories like this. And that doesn't make it any less tragic or less heartbreaking or anything, but it's just such a damn shame, you know? It really is, man. It's just so hard for me to to imagine not having that support system. But, you know, he well, always came off as such a strong guy, you know, everything he did. You know what I mean? I mean, it's not a support system. It's a system of people who enable. So yeah. the opposite. Oh, Andy just now learning, you know, that that the green power rangers you know passed away sorry about that andy thanks for stopping by though honestly and then uh brandon i also kind of figured he could have took his own life see that's even more alarming you know if there were signs of it on his social media uh like brandon's alluding to in the chat uh that should have been something that should have been a red flag for somebody and it's again it sucks that people don't have those individuals in their circles you know but Oh well, he will be missed. Man. He was the best Power Ranger, honestly. He was, you know, at least. I mean, well, he was the one that was the Power Ranger the longest. It was. It's easy to forget with, um, you know, it being a kid show that I watched when I was an actual kid. But mm-hmm. his character introduced an honestly pretty complex story arc here, where he was like introduced as like a brainwashed bad guy and everything. Oh, dude, then, it was. And then he went like to the White Ranger, arc, and then yeah. it was white. I mean, there was a big arc there, and it had... For a kid show, it was pretty complicated stuff. Yeah, man, for sure. And then he was bloodshot in like that Bat in the Sun thing for Valiant, and that was great, you know, but... Yeah, he will be missed for sure. Um, if you have that, you know, reach out. If you're feeling, you know, like you're going to hurt yourself, reach out. There's numbers you can call now. Isn't it like 311 now or something? There's like a. You know, yeah, there was a big push to get the suicide uh, outreach line down to three numbers because, you know, dialing those extra four could make the difference between yeah, life man. and death for a lot of people. And if we can do it, if we have the infrastructure to make something like that easier, we should definitely do yeah. it. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Let's. Oh, did y'all do anything this week worth mentioning? Anything worth talking about? I screamed nothing. at my supervisor for about 20 minutes. And nothing. We don't want to hear work shit. We don't hear work shit. Well, I caught up on Andor, but I figured we'd talk about that when the series is over next week. Yeah, I really need to watch all of it. And that's going to be... Well, I have all week now. It is really good. Um, and it is best watched in chunks, I would nice, say. Nice. One final comment before we move into the news. Uh, yeah, 311, if you need to talk. Good call out, Andy. Uh, all right. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, no, not at all. Brandon in there apologizing for bringing up, uh, you know, the Green Power Ranger. No, dude. No. We we'll, oh, talk, we'll talk about any fucking thing. Brandon, I wanted to mention. I fucking love your uh, your profile picture there. It's yeah, like it's stylized Hontor there. That's rad. Yeah. Uh. All right, Don. Moving into comics. Dawn of DC has been announced. Uh, DC Comics is embarking on a year long storytelling initiative called Dawn of DC. Following the events of Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths and DC Universe's Lazarus Pit Planet, sorry, Lazarus Planet, the world's superheroes have emerged from the biggest, most devastating battles of their lives and are reinvigorated in their fight against evil. 20 new titles, new creative teams, obviously, villains that will push the heroes, all starting in Action Comics 1051. So they're saying that it's going to be a multi-event narrative initiative, uh, which is promising, dude. That leads me to believe that they're going to get their hands 
dirty and actually do some cross, you know, storytelling. We know this is happening in the super in the Superman family, you know, already. All of this shit's going to cross over. There's going to be different stories in action comics, like three ongoing stories about three different members of the Superman family. They're spreading the love. Uh, so it seems like maybe they're going to do that with just about everything else. New directions for Batman, Superman, Nightwing, Harley, Poison Ivy. That's all really the news we get. We're also getting new books. Hal Jordan, Jon Stewart, Shazam, Doom Patrol, Green Arrow, Cyborg, Penguin. Again, we don't really have a lot of news about this. Well, this itself is some fucking good news, man. Yeah, um, Superman and Batman and all them, they're always going to have their books. But um, yeah. it is cool to see um, them spreading the love to a few of those characters who don't always get in rotation, you know, like Shazam and Cyborg and all them. Yeah, we got some Doom Patrol pencils that look great. Ooh, uh, that, that looks like Jeff Darrow. Uh, I don't it's, think it's, it's not Darrow. Jeff Darrow, but it's it looks very good, Jeff Darrow-esque. It looks good, though. I like the negative man down there, especially. Yeah. So Green Lantern fans are going to get a Green Lantern Hal Jordan and a Green Lantern John Stewart book. That's rad. It, that might be the same. Well, hold on. Uh, yeah, John Stewart is going to be Philip Kennedy Johnson and an artist to be named later. Um, Hal Jordan returns to Earth. Da, 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 da. It's not saying who's going to write. Oh, Mariko Tamaki. Ooh, okay. gonna write that hey. An artist to be named later. Uh, Oliver Queen has been lost in Star Crisis. His family is determined to find him. Uh, Green Arrow by Joshua Williamson and uh, Sean Izoxi. He's currently on the Thunderbolts book. Uh, hmm. So that should be good. That should be fun. Uh, Dark Knight and Core Stories Building Out of Dawn of DC. Uh, Batman the Brave and the Bold features top writers Tom King, Mitch Gerards, Guillaume March, Gabriel Artem, Dan Mora. A uh, bunch of fucking people on that book. Uh, Victor Stone Cyborg is going to get a book. They're going to reveal more on that later. So, yeah, dude. Mark Wade is doing a Shazam book. That's going to be good. The Superboy book is well, going to be Wade, I think, is a great fit for Shazam, to be sure. Yeah, I think so, too. Look at this. He's riding a fucking dinosaur. That hey. is rad. Uh, the, 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 books that, the book that went through the whole gauntlet earlier in the year, is that going to be one of these titles in this book series? Yeah, that's the Superboy book. Okay. That's the, that's, sorry, that's this one right here, The Man of Tomorrow. Yeah, and that team's already been decided. It's Porter and Lindsay. Yeah, it's even got the uh, the the badge there to show us. Oh yeah, that little badge, the winner. Yeah, good call out there. So uh, we're also gonna get. Um, I'm still salty about it not being that Alan Scott. Book. Yeah, me too. Hey, you know. me too. Uh, we're still gonna get a Penguin book. Penguin is forced into organized crime by the U.S. government. That sounds fun. <laughs> That's entrapment. Uh, yeah, the working <laughs> title for that is uh, The Penguin. That'll be Tom King and Stefano Gaudiano. Okay. And then a John Henry Irons book is coming hey. out. Uh, and they're going to introduce his niece, Natasha, for some legacy character potential. So, yeah, dude, there's a lot of shit going on at, at DC Comics this year in 2023. It's going to be huge. Huge, 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 huge. Uh, Even if this that, is an exercise and like throwing mud at the wall to see what sticks, at least some of yeah. it should be good, you know? Yeah, Andy chiming out in the chat. Again, thanks for kicking it, Andy. Uh, Andy, go by the uh, Outright Geekery Facebook group. Go to Facebook and search groups for Outright Geekery. Andy's over there kicking it all the time. 
And he's calling out the new Doom Patrol book. Uh, yeah, new Doom Patrol is always good, man. Doom Patrol oh. is one of those prestige books, you know, kind of like Daredevil or Swamp yeah, Thing. Or like, sure. you know, there's been a lot of really good runs, and yeah. like good writers go there to tell good stories a lot. Yeah, man. So, so we got to look forward to, and then more, you know. So we'll have more on that as as it busts out. So, moving on to the Sins of Sinister. This is the next big thing for Marvel coming up this year. Uh, and we get to see some looks about what these characters are going to look like in this sort of age of apocalypse that is caused by Mr. Sinister. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. So there you go. That's what we get. So are we like sliding over to one of his like lives before like reincarnations and shit like that, I guess? Because apparently he can like just keep resetting the timeline with Moira now. And that does make a lot of interesting potential. I mean, we're not sure exactly what happens. I think the worst thing happens and maybe he runs out of lives to reset like Moira did. And then he's sort of stuck in a future. I, I'm not sure. We don't know exactly, you know, what is going to happen here, but. We're getting just a look at, like, here's Cable with some, not a techno virus. What is that, a Krakoan virus, maybe? Maybe. Mm. Is that supposed to be Beast? Oh, no, I it's think Nightcrawler. it is. Okay. No. Nightcrawler year 100, it says. Yeah. Uh, and that's what a lot of this is, like year 10 for Captain America. Year Even though we have Nightcrawler on the Wolverine here, but. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this should be a lot of fun. Mr. Sinister is a hoot. Um, he has consistently been one of the best parts of lots of different books since uh, the Kirkoan status quo has started up. So yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm in favor of them just giving him you know, his own event. Right. Here's the return of Rasputin from Hox Pox, if y'all remember her. I do, yeah. Probably not the same one. You know, the futures change. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, we're gonna talk a little bit more about Mister Sinister most likely later on in the in the reviews. Uh, now, is this uh, Iron Fire? Is this supposed to be like Odin? Or I look a lot like Odin. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's got to be a mutant. So that doesn't make sense. It looks like it Odin. could be Doctor Strange's cloak of levitation on him too. So I don't know what the fuck is going on yeah, here. Dude. Well, and Captain again, America, unless they did something to him when they resurrected him during that whole judgment thing. He's that not a mutant. True. That doesn't necessarily need to be mutant exclusive. I would say that's. Uh, yeah, point. you're right. Because sinister had, you know, in this image, he's got Captain America there. But if he's got access to that DNA, which he obviously does if they were able to resurrect him, why yeah. wouldn't he just have a little bit of fun? You know? He makes he makes Mr. Sinister versions of fucking everyone. You know? And everything. That's just who he is. That's what's going to cause him to, to have such a terrible time here. Uh, but it's not a very big event, you know. It's a, Yes, it's a few months, but... <laughs> not a very big event. It lasts until April. <laughs> no, it's lasting until honestly, April, by but there's only standards, three that's books. pretty truncated, honestly. Yeah, the average is three books a month. That's nothing, dude. A lot of these things, like, like, usually at least six months, because they usually do at least six issues, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and in this, there's only, technically, like, two extra books. Yeah, you know? and then it's just, like storylines from various X books. Yeah, the Sins of Sinister 1 and then Sins of, Sinister, Sins of Sinister Dominion number 1, but then just like what they did during Age of Apocalypse, all of the ongoing X-Men books, well at least, you know, a lot of them are just going to change titles. 
you know, and exist in this universe that Sinister creates, which I think is a really cool way to do it. You know, these are the three books. Immoral, you know, Immortal is becoming Immoral. Uh, Nightcrawlers, what is that? The uh, Age of X, or not Age of X. Wolverine uh, books. Huh? Legion of X. Yeah, Legion. Legionnaires, Legion is something. And then Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants is, you know, uh, X-Men Red. Red, yeah. Yeah, Uh, and then we get the Sinister bookends there. So, yeah, this is Kieran Gillen, Al Ewing, Cy Spurrier. They're the ones who are putting their mark on the X-Books right now. You know, they're the ones who are doing the most in that universe. So uh, maybe outside of Duggan, but not really. He just happens to be have the flagship book. But the flagship book isn't really guiding the rest of the X-Books, really. It's just sort of living in the status quo like everything else is. These books really feel like they're establishing the status quo. You know, a lot more than X-Men is. So, uh, yeah, really looking forward to that. And we will have more on that. That starts, I mean, very soon. You know, Immortal X-Men number nine is the prelude. We yeah, just had a, so we just had a book this week that felt like a prelude to this. In a lot of ways, yeah. Um, it yeah, tied in a lot sure. with what's going on that X-Men book. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving on to some more independent oh, hold on. stuff. He's got to clear his desk off. Yeah, he's like moving CDs around. Uh, James Tiny in the fourth is moving all of his Substack books to paper. They will be made available on paper through Dark Horse. Uh, really, that's all you need to know. He's going to have his own imprint over there, which means a lot of things. He gets a lot more power. He definitely gets a lot more money. He gets a lot more um, ability to expand things in any direction he wants, either publishing things that were previously digital or going with new paper stuff you know he has an immediate place where he can just go and say no publish this and they basically have to do it they have to it's his line you know same deal kirkman's got same deal mcfarland's got over there at image so um my favorite part of this is he can bring in other people to start doing work in these universes that he is building over at dark horse now so uh, Iron Fire looks like Thor joining the X-Men instead of Avengers. Yeah, I know, Brandon. It does look weird. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Anything's possible with Mr. Sinister, you know, doing the things he does. So, uh, so Blue Book is from uh, Avon Oming and a bit of car on letters. It's aliens and supernatural shit, you know. Uh, so is the odd... Uh, odd... Well, it, it's Project Blue Book. Yeah, it's Project Blue Book. Exactly. Yeah. Which is like a real life alien. Yeah, it was it was yeah. the it was the Air Force's investigation into the UFO phenomenon back oh, in okay. like the late fifties, early sixties. Yeah, well, I did is, not know the reference there. Thank you, dude. Yeah, and that is right in Tiny's wheelhouse, dude. If you've read Department of Truth, which I'm not yeah. sure why you're not. I mean Department of Truth and like even the Sandman book that he did kind of oh, for sure. goes into yeah. that kind of spooky shit, you know. Yeah. So good on him. He has finally basically solidified himself as I don't know, man. One of the best writers out there. He's got his own line now at Dark Horse. He's writing Sandman, one of the most timeless, you know, books of all time at DC. He's doing whatever the fuck he wants over at Image Comics. Oh, there you are. He just does everything, 
You know, he's he's definitely one of the best out there right now. And we'd have been remiss if we didn't mention that those books are coming out. So this is kind of like Harry Potter, right? The oddly pedestrian life of Christopher Chaos. It does. That book is uh, it's going to be out on June 7th. It's a lonely teen mad scientist named Christopher Chaos. When the cute boy at high school turns out to be a deadly creature, Christopher finds himself pitted in a world of monsters, heroes and a cult of hunters out to kill them all. Tiny created the book, which is uh, written by Tate Bromble with art by Isaac Goodhart, colors by Kurt Michael Russell, and letters by, again, Anidia Bidikar. So, yeah, man. Well, I'm looking forward okay, to yeah, those. Probably speaking, it's one of those, like, isekai-type things where, like, uh-oh, there's, like, a secret world that you have to go deal oh, with now. it's a portal. Yeah, it's a yeah. portal story. Yeah. Mm. Rick and Morty, the high school years. Hmm. So I will definitely read those because I read everything Dark Horse puts out, you know, especially number one. So. Dark Horse has been hitting it on the cylinder. Well, they've had to, you know, they've lost some things, they've gained some things, but they but have they have they have strategy recovered greatly people. since they lost like the the most of the Fox licensing. Well, yeah, like even yeah. back when they were losing all the Star Wars stuff, like people were like ready to. You know, just have a fire sale for the place. Yeah, to close the doors. Yeah, yeah, they people were really, you know, the sky is falling, doom and gloom type thing. But yeah, they have landed on their feet remarkably well, considering all the licenses they've lost in recent years. And that's one great thing about this industry. You know, it's a market that you can do so many different things to attract business. You can pull in creator own shit. You can go find new licenses. You can create new licenses through editors. You know, you can get a creative editor. Um, the shit that Hickman's doing over there at Three Worlds, Three Moons, any publisher right now could go out and find somebody to go and do that. The Massiverse is example one for that. You know what I mean? They could do it. They could go find Tiny and appears to be doing that with this at Dark Horse. So, yeah, it's a great time to be a comics fan. Great time to be a comics fan. Speaking of a great time to be a comics fan, the best time of the year, Free Comic Book Day 2023. The Gold Books have been announced. Um Archie's doing a book called The Cursed Library. Um, this uh, is... I'm guessing that's in the horror Archie vein. Yeah, it's exactly. Like their Archie horror, which, hey, they have really found a, uh, a groove in this horror story. They really album. have. They got a book coming out called Betty, The Last Girl, which is oh, obviously... Like the yeah. final girl? Uh, yeah, yeah final girl. I think yeah. it might actually be the final girl, not Betty, The yeah. Final Girl. Uh, that's anyway, pretty cool. Yeah, this is going to be a preview for that, like that, probably. But... Um, this is sort of like a a uh, like man, what's the hell that dude? Tales from the Crypt, the Crypt Keeper. You know, they got this one person who's telling the story. You know, that lead character who's telling these little vignettes of stories. Oh, and like all the stories are like a book from the library. That's really fun. Yes, like yes, That's dude. Cool. Yeah, uh, Boom's doing a Ranger Academy, going off that you know awesome popularity of the Power Rangers. Um, so that's going to be a new book called ranger academy i cannot wait for that that sounds like it's exactly what it sounds if that's exactly what it sounds like it's going to be dope a school where the power rangers go from all these different universes go to learn how to be power rangers oh fuck yeah. yeah i mean uh, power rangers have really found a new life in the comic books it's amazing know? it really is amazing dude uh dark horse has umbrella academy and the witcher probably two of their biggest franchises uh in terms of the screen adaptations so yeah, uh, getting in where they fit in on Free Comic Book Day, the Star Trek book from IDW. It's going to be a prelude to the big summer crossover event that is going on in the Star Trek books. I've been a huge fan of that, you know, and it's very early. 
But uh, Fish Flies, number one over at Image Comics. That is Jeff Lemire's uh, new creator-owned book. Best I don't know what the, the fuck a fish fly is supposed to be, but hey, Jeff Lemire gets you automatic interest, you know? Yeah, and it looks like he's doing the art, too. Oh, yeah. yeah, the, his art. Oh, yeah he is. Art. Yeah, he's doing the art. Here's the premise. When a child running away from home befriends a monster, she sets off a chain of strange events and bad omens. I can't wait. That's all I need is that one sentence. Uh, then we get Lemire. Yeah, then we get the three big ones I think are going to be the three most popular ones. Uh, Marvel's Amazing Spider-Man Venom, uh, Marvel's Avengers X-Men, which is going to set up a bunch of shit, and then the Conan the Barbarian free comic book day special focusing on a young Conan as he dreams of a life of adventures and envisions all of the future journeys he will take. Crom. That should be fun. Yeah, by Crom. Uh, and then here's the silver ones. Uh, mostly reprints here but reprinted in a way where people can easily digest them. Uh, silver books are more for the all-ages crowd. Animal Castle special, uh, Fright Night. Megadet. Animal Castle? Isn't that the one that's like Animal Farm? It's like yeah. the sequel to Animal Farm. That one's Farm. not all-ages. That's then. not well, for it's kids. A young, it's still a younger... I think it's meant for, you know, middle high school, younger. That I mean, either Shadow Man. Jetting, Shadow Man, man, I don't Shadow know. man isn't really either you know not shadow man, young, yeah. young readers, shadow man doing whatever a shadow, a shadow can. can uh so yeah there you go there's your free comic book day books we will have reviews of all of those mad balls versus the garbage pal kids dude that book's not as bad as the title makes it seem i know garbage <laughs> pal kids i don't remember mad balls mad balls, mad balls is from the rubber balls that had weird faces on them they, like, they actually had like a, yeah. an animated movie where they escaped from their planet land on earth and put on a rock show they were just a bunch of balls. Yes, they were just balls. Mm. I They're know. like, how do we turn on the rocket? And the one's like, press the big red button. They're like, why? Because it's always the big red button. Let's do the food. Mmm, yummy. Dave's the only dude in the world who's seen the Mad Balls movie. I probably am. All you right, guys it's... low standards in the eighties, <laughs> Oh, no, we didn't have low standards. We had no standards. Well, you can get, okay. Like I said before, you could get away with a lot of things in 80s movies. Yeah. In 80s Either way. Sure. Gross That's what I mean. There were no standards at all. Uh, double dose of food uh, news is useless gadgets of the week. The first up is a cereal bowl. Uh, Reese's Puffs and Yoon An, who is a designer uh, who owns the Ambush brand, uh, has teamed up for this futuristic a collaboration. Uh, it's an ambush design box of Reese's Puffs. Okay, it's that chrome looking one. Thanks and the for rainbow one that down for us. Uh, well, I guess it's both, right? This is uh, not the same guy that owns like Banta Black, is it? I have no idea what else they own. So then it's also this chrome like cereal bowl that doubles as a purse. Oh, okay. Um, and this is also going to come with a Reese's Puffs inspired metaverse experience called the breakfast verse. Oh my fucking God. Yeah. Didn't this the most disgusting thing you've ever heard on this segment in a different way, but yes, I would actually agree <laughs> with that. Uh, so you can be entering the sweepstakes to win. The it's like finding out they got like Frank Lloyd right to design someone's toilet brush or something. Dude, like exactly. That. What the fuck yeah. is this? So the box of cereal that we saw here, the Chrome box of cereal, 50 bucks, $50 for the collectible box. 
The purse that also doubles as a cereal bowl, one hundred and fifty dollars. Looking at looking at some of their stuff on their website, that's actually a deal considering they have a down jacket for over two thousand dollars. Jesus, this is one of those things for like. It must be from a Phoenix. If I knew someone who had spent money on these things, I would be very tempted to just punch them in the face, you know, just for this. I'd be concerned about them. Yes, they have a a sweatshirt. That is four hundred and fifty dollars. So there you go. There's your horrible news for the day. Yeah. Let's go to the second horrible news. Can't be much Cheetos worse. Cheetos has launched a new gadget called the Cheetos Duster. Um. Oh wait, what? Like it purees your Cheetos into dust or something? Yes, that's exactly right. Instead hey, of using a that's plastic, actually pretty handy. Instead of using a plastic bag and a rolling pin, like I do when I actually have done this for for. A recipe or two this uses a rechargeable that's like one of the like, little bullets Bullet blender blenders. yeah it's basically a blender um i don't know how much it is but you can start ordering it on amazon exclusively on the november 21st while supplies last you'll have to wait so uh there's lots of things there's cheetos covered coated mozzarella sticks yeah, yeah. there's Cheeto, there's cheetos uh, covered uh fried chicken even at yeah. the uh, movie theater, they do like the Cheetos covered uh, popcorn, you know. Yeah. So they if you would like, if you would one, like though, to make these copycat recipes, yeah. Without, yeah, without it on some donuts. Okay, putting it on the chicken on the donuts seems like a terrible idea to me, but I do recognize that people put Cheeto dust on a lot of things. It's and called so, Cheeto. It's called <laughs> like Cheeto. their phones. And it's got their its own name. Yeah, on their phones, their on their screens. on their on their hair in their hair sometimes on, on their clothes. Yeah. Now, normally, this might be where I say like, why not just use your blender? But I would not want to have to clean my blender of Cheeto dust, and so it does actually kind of make sense to have like a dedicated Cheeto dust maker. Yeah, and I mean, it's you can clean it. It's machine washable. Probably I'm sure, I'm sure. it out, but. Uh, yeah, there you go. It also comes with a whole shit ton of free recipes. So, yeah, I mean, that's a that's like the perfect gift for somebody, really. Not yeah. perfect, but for like the cook who has everything. Why not? You know, why not? Against all rad. odds, I could see how this might be filling a specific niche that people need filled. One day yeah. we will have the outright geekery kitchen. No, and we'd be filling it with all sorts of like terrible asinine shit. Dumb gadgets, dumb gadgets. It's such a rare thing to get something that's like palatable on this thing. Right, I know the Cheeto thing is not that bad, but still. Uh, David, you looked at last week. We actually had a couple of solid ones, if I remember correctly. Ah. I'm keeping it middle of the road. Middle of the road. Got to hit that Uh, C average. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do top three. Let's do comics. One of these days, we will get to the news that I've had. Holy shit, what a week of comics. Last week, there were a lot of good comics. This week was not bad either. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a pretty good two-week stretch we're having here. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure a lot of these books are going to get mentioned. I Hate Fairyland was dope. Star Trek Resurgence, not bad at all. Not bad at all. A couple of familiar faces. Nightwing, I'm sure, is going to get mentioned. Yeah. Uh, Immortal was good. The Blue Wall was fantastic. Um, That's those are my honorable mentions. Uh, but my number three, and the only reason this is my number three, is because any of those books could have been my number three. My number one, easy. My number three was done since like last week. Uh, my number two was a nice surprise, but number three was Blade Vampire Nation number one. 
Mark Russell, David Walker. Uh, and again, this surprised the shit out of me. This was Detective Blade, dude. Um, and it worked way too well. Of course, Mark Russell inserts his subtle social relevance as always, uh, almost making vampires sympathetic in a couple of ways in this first issue. Uh, but the main focus is, again, cool Detective Blade. And yeah, it just really surprised me how much it worked. He's basically investigating the murder of a, a vampire by like some mercenaries. But uh, yeah, it was really cool. It was really fun. This was half of the uh, shells by the time I got to the shop. Oh, you missed I'm out. Sure I would have gotten out. it anyway because, like, this seems like kind of an odd spinoff from something they did in Avengers like a year it, ago. Yeah, yeah. That's the way that Avengers book has been, though. There have been so yeah. many good ideas. There could have been so many things spun off out of that Avengers book. But I'm glad they did this because it, it really does feel like detective. Like. I don't want to say like Columbo because Columbo always comes off as kind of a nincompoop, like he doesn't know what he's doing. Hey, he played in this like, is the opposite. He's a hundred, dude. Columbo is like the world's greatest detective. I don't know what the no, fuck I know, but he about. comes off as like a dumbass. <laughs> you know, well, that's part Blade of his. Comes, that's, that's part, part of his way of wearing down the suspects. You know, like Blade comes off in this as like a hard ass. You know, it's like hard boy. It's more like a John Woo type of deal. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. So yeah, my number three, Blade Vampire Nation, number one, Great. Taylor. Um, I'll do an honorable mention for um, Immortal X-Men. Mm. Um, this one is kind of setting up some stuff that looks interesting in the future. It was kind of neat seeing like how Mystique was Sherlock Holmes and like they did all like the Victorian stuff. It was fun. Um, it was very interesting, but it was like more of the same. Yeah. I'll do a shout out for uh, Demon Days. Oh, can I say one this. thing about the Immortal X-Men book? I'm sorry. I meant to Real say. quick. Go for it. It had tones of the Jonathan Hickman shield run. Remember that when they went I back do, yeah. time and, it, and they like, there were famous real world people involved in the creation of shield. This had yes. tones of that and it was very fun. I, I, I like that a lot, but yeah, it, they definitely have a lot of vibes, which speaking of those vibes, the main reason this is an honorable mention and not on my top three this week is because another book was like playing games with history and it did it a lot better this week. So I'll oh, get fun. that in a bit. Um, but anyway, um, also honorable mention for Demon Days, uh, Shields of Justice. This is Peach Momoko's uh, What If the Marvel Universe Was Like Oni and Yokai. And yeah, yeah, it's fun. And it's a real feast for the eyes. It's a little tropey. It's like you've seen it's a like, lot tropey. Yeah, if you've seen it, much anime, you kind of can see where the twists and grooves yeah. here. Uh, but it's Peach Momoko art, and you really don't need much more than that. And it, it's a fun read. Yeah, one thing about this I will say that it really jumped out at me. You can really see how Momoko has evolved with her sequential art. And this is the best sequential art she's done in any of these demon books, man, that she's done. This, this She's really gone next level. And I'm not just talking her style. I'm not just talking her brush to the paper. I'm talking the way she makes it, the story through the panels. That's really come, come through for her the in flow. this book. Yeah, the flow yeah. in this is so much um, better than in her previous A lot of art. good artists do struggle with, like, framing a sequence of events. And, yeah, yeah. it's kind of cool to see, like, Peach Momoko uh, evolve with evolve. that. Evolve, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Not resting on her laurels, even though she probably could, since she's getting, yeah, like, right? All she needs to do is covers. for every comic book nowadays. She yeah. only needs to do covers, man. Yeah. She got to be making more money at fucking uh, Marvel right now than any other artist. 
Might be. I mean, yeah. I I do not know where she finds the time to do yeah, all the coverage that she does. She's shopping for groceries. Yeah, I'll take it. You know, just drawing. Yeah. Anyway, my number three this week though is uh, Nightwing number ninety-eight. Wow, what a fucking issue! What an issue! Yeah, I mean, you always miss Bruno Redondo's artwork when it's not there, not but. This- this week it was it was a perfect switch over to having like crazy cartoon antics with uh Nightmite. Uh yeah, here. which is the fifth dimension. Is it fifth dimension? Fifth dimensional imp, yeah. It's kinda yeah, like Nick Nightwing now or, has um, his own fifth dimension imp. And everyone yeah. makes a joke about it. There's at least three times, oh, you have an imp now. Cause it all started with Mr. Mixelplick, you know. Yeah, and then eventually Superman. we get Batmite. And... and then we got Batmite because Superman can't have anything for himself. Back in, like, so the now... Silver Age, they had all sorts of, like, every hero yeah. had their own, like, stupid things. But, um, yeah. but yeah, um, they do a lot of fun shenanigans here. It was cool seeing, like, these are the people who would show up at Nightwing's uh, wedding, and it is kind of a fun scene. Um, yeah. It's also neat kind of seeing Night might being like a fanboy, you know, he showed up yes. as Rick Grayson at the beginning. And that explains that yeah. little singer from the last issue. Yeah. Very well done there. Uh, I like the wedding part here because Tom Taylor just has this knack for relationships, man. And he pushes their relationship forward here so much with just a couple of panels by him saying, no, not yet. And then Barbara being like, yet. You know, like, is this even a thing that? Could yeah, happen? it's. Oh, it was so, but it was, it was so cute. subtle. It was. It wasn't just cute, man. I mean, their relationship moved forward there man. more than than when it was first established. That's and true. It's been established since Taylor's had it, but now we have some some struggle. You know, some communication issues coming to the fore. It was just very well done in a book that was meant to be nothing but just fun, good, silly times. I mean, Tom Taylor, like worked. even it like. Worked. He's been on such a tear lately. I mean, I feel like I can't find enough ways to praise the guy, but right. he did a fucking, this was a filler issue. Mm-hmm. You know, this was just like a, this was a swerve away from the main story. It probably was just him giving Bruno Redondo some time to get caught up on some artwork. And it's still yeah. fucking awesome. You yeah. Know? It's still fantastic. He, yeah, it's a love letter for Nightwing, this book. Uh, yeah. Easily the best Nightwing run. I mean, you can go back to the Wolfman run, you know, the original, that was great and all that stuff he's had some good stuff in other series but i mean for all intents and purposes from what we know so far moving forward in 2023 nightwing is the guy at dc comics teen titans are going to be at the front he's going to be leading them justice league is going to take a back seat yeah yeah things are going to happen and it's because tom taylor took this yeah i mean i've never disliked nightwing but he has really risen up on my list of favorite characters since this run like He's every now and then, the B list are tops, dude. Tops. Yeah. I mean, he'll always be Batman. Yeah, exactly. Taylor does going why Dick Grayson is a lot of things Batman can never be, and that he is a really good hero on his own, you know, two legs, you know? Yeah. And they talk about this in here. They even hint at that when Batman's like, there was just a triple homicide. And he's like, man, can't you ever, you know, oh, just, yeah, yeah, very well done, just all around. Tom Taylor's fantastic. So. That leads us to Big D. I'm not sure you would have many honorable mentions this week, but go ahead. Um, I got two. Okay, that's not too many. That's, right. that's not too many. All right. Uh, just the uh, the first honorable mention is a book that I just grabbed off the shelf because I thought it was looked interesting. Didn't know what it was about. 
it is uh, Door to Door, Night by Night. I didn't even see this book. Uh, it's written by Colin Bunn. What what publisher was it on? Uh, Nightfall. Source Point? Nightfall. Oh, that's uh, a publisher, Nightfall? It, it's an imprint from Vault. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I missed this. Go ahead. What's All it right. about? Um, essentially, it's there are the there is this group of people who pick up a hitchhiker and basically kind of give the hitchhiker a job to help them out for a week for extra money. Uh, turns out the hitchhiker is a monster hunter, and these people are door to door salesmen. Uh, not necessarily salesmen, but they're raising fundraising for a fire department, okay. and they're going door to door. So she's kind of casing things and figuring out where the monster may be okay it's fun fun so colin turned, knows how to do horror yeah he does he knows how to do horror but it was it it the art was um the art is okay it's got a little bit of uh some stiffness to it but overall okay. it was a pretty good read nice good uh, shout my, out good shout out uh, my other honorable mention this week is I Hate Fairyland, number Fantastic one. Fantastic revisit oh. to this. It is great. Be Gert careful is, what you wish for. Yeah, Gert is, you know, in the end of the original series, she got back to home. She, yep. you know, she's aged up because when she was in Fairyland, she never ate. She aged mentally, but she never physically aged. Yeah. And now she's caught up. And now she's going back to Fairyland because she's the most experienced person. Well, what happens is, is the whole, the whole, most of the part of the book has her living her normal life. Well, and again, be careful what you wish for. Getting she's fired from terrible jobs, at it. jobs. She's every, terrible at she's living terrible a at her life. At, at work, but then yeah. you know, she a billionaire basically hires a billionaire her, son. Yeah, exactly. Hires yeah. her to go find his son, who he believes is trapped in Fairyland. Yeah, so she's basically Rambo now. She's going to yeah. be Fairyland no. Rambo going in. No, it's not Fairyland fucking Rambo. It's Fairyland fucking Escape from New York. <laughs> she's a snake Pliskin. <laughs> she's snake fucking Pliskin. <laughs> but yeah, this is a good read. It Scotty good Young read. drew the first I Hate Fairyland, didn't he? Yes. I, he was missed on this because he is not the artist on this. No, it's it, there is a it's very similar. He, it's similar, but he was missed. Dude, he did it. write it. Oh yeah, he wrote it. Uh, for but sure. the art yeah. the artist was uh, Brett Bean. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it, it's it is not not bad at all. Not but bad. Again, he was missed. He, just like Bruno Redondo was missed on Nightwing this week, even though Nightwing was fucking awesome. You could tell that Scotty Young did not draw this. So, yeah. But good, still a good book. Great issue yep. this week. All right. And so, uh, jump into my number three book this week is a book called Chroma. Uh, it was solid. I couldn't really get into it, but it was. It, there's it a was lot of. Solid. There's a lot of world building yes, going on. And I. Almost I, too much. Almost I, too much. I don't understand. I don't under, fully understand the use or the, the, the thing What's about the, colors. In it? Uh, there's a lot of different use of colors. Yeah. The characters are not really fleshed out, They're... but we know so much about the world that they live in. Yeah, but, but by the something... end of the first issue, I didn't understand why all that knowledge about the world meant anything to me actually enjoying the narrative. You know what I mean? It was, yeah. It, yeah, it was fuzzy to me by the end. I That's was... why, well, it's one of the reasons it was such a good book, but there's it a lot of stuff going great. on, a lot of world building, but I still have a lot of questions. And yeah. just like, uh, but I think it's, 
like the, the I want to learn about the characters. Yeah, like you know. Chroma might actually be like you know that um, that the because the girl on the cover here she has two different color eyes. Yeah. I know there's like a hedrochroma something heterochromia. Yeah, that's it's a what, mutant thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it there's just a lot of world building. We you know, but yeah. it goes from color to black and white, and it's like the men can't experience color in the world, and one boy experiences color, and like things happen. I just leave it yeah, at that. It's very odd. I'm just not sure. Yeah. No, it was it was good. It was good, but I there was no way I was putting it on my top three. But I still want to read issue two for sure. Uh, I'm 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 interested. Yeah. And basically like- it's like this weird universe a weird world where there's a tribe and they go and have this like demon that's in an egg and this demon busts out, but it's just like this girl wearing like demon garb. Yeah. And this girl got two different colored eyes. And that's why they're like treat her like a demon because she's different but this other little kid like makes friends with her kind of Which but is... again you learn so much about the universe and what's going on with this society but i want to learn more about the characters there, yeah there's like i yeah. said there's a lot of world building going on and it's yeah. got me interested to see where it's nice going. pleasantly surprised by a mysterious pickup by a random pickup good choice uh, all right, man. Nobody else read this. I guarantee it. But my number two this week is Batman, One Bad Day, Mr. Freeze, number one, written by uh, Gary Duggan. Matteo Scalera did the art. Um, a great creative team. That's what brought me to the book. I haven't really been reading these One Bad Day. If I but... had looked at the cover to see that Gary Duggan was writing this, I might have given it more consideration. See? Yeah, yeah see? But he's why I picked it up. If you're writing X-Men or Avengers, and we'll talk about that next week because there's a the dude who's writing Avengers is doing a creator-owned book next week. Even though this isn't creator-owned, it's still outside of you know his Big primary team. house where he's working. But uh, King, Tom King, wrote that Love Everlasting at Image. When one of the top writers in the business writes something outside of their usual norm, you definitely go and pick it up. And this was fantastic. We got a couple of chats. Uh, uh, Kaylee Chow. Hi, Kaylee. Thanks for hanging out. Hi, everybody. What's going on? Oh, just talking about comic books. Um, But Mr. Freeze is probably my favorite. Kind of Batman our thing. Going, right. Uh, and this was a whole lot of fun. Very cool dialogue. Fun moments. Like, look. Look at that art Mateo Scalera is doing. Very nice page panel there. Uh, looks, look, that, Mr. that that has shades of Sorrentino in it. It does. It, it kind of reminds me of Tim Sale, actually. I was gonna I was about to say the same fucking thing. It's like Andrea Sorrentino via Tim Sale, dude. Yeah. It really is. It really is. Uh but yeah, great look here. But great design. Look at the design, you know, the guard and Batman. And then there's your fun moments. Like they're taking, he feels bad. He wants to give Mr. Freeze, which really should be Dr. Freeze. That's always bothered me. Anyway, they're taking him to a, a location that Bruce has bought for him. So he can continue his research, right? Trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, and there's like a Christmas angle here. Uh, Batman and Robin are dressed up as Santa and an elf waiting for someone to come and do some business on a motorcycle. And he uses the bell, like the charity bell. To knock this shit out of him. Great Batmobile with the treads here, you know, because it's snowing. It's like Gary Duggan is like, nah, I'm a Marvel guy. I have my one fucking chance to write some Batman, and I'm going to do it. But um, it's got this great, like, Mr. Freeze duality, right? Turned a bit on its head. 
Mr. Freeze was a villain, sure, you know, no layers at all. But when they gave him the layers, he became sort of this sympathetic. Yeah, character. when Batman the Animated Series happened. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Where he loved his wife and was doing things out of love, right? But in this, again, Duggan flips it on its head where Freeze's villainous even prior to that turn right before he put nora on ice right he went against her wishes she had a terminal disease she just wanted to die gracefully and he's like no no dignified death for you my what i want is more important and then what about me nora yeah and then even before that right they dig into a little bit where he came off as sort of detached from his marriage and like was controlling Nora in what I would say is like an abusive way, you know? So it added these great layers to a character who has possibly become sympathetic and really shouldn't be, you know, he's still a villain. And it's just really cool that a guy who isn't known for writing DC stuff could write a, a story that is so quintessentially DC in the context of Batman and Mr. Freeze and add sort of this new angle to it, but still have the warmth and the fun. And I mean, look, this is fucking warm as hell. Uh, I mean, this right here, so fucking fun. Just a great issue, man. I had so much fun with it. And we're in the holiday season. This isn't really a holiday book, but it had it leaned into that a little bit. But well, it's close enough to Christmas. Yeah, great Batman story with Mr. Freeze. And yeah, just fantastic issue. Fantastic issue, man. Would have been the best of the week if not for one other book, easily. Mm. Uh, Taylor, that's that lead up to you, number two, man. Uh, my number two is Captain America and the Winter Soldier special, number one. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, this is hot off the heels of the uh, big status quo shakeup from last yeah. week's issue of, uh, of Sentinel of Liberty. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we get to go into detail about who this outer circle group, like who they are and uh, what their whole deal is. I loved the little meeting they had. It kind of reminded me of um, like East of West in a lot of ways. Like the East Hickman of West, book. yep. And yeah. Illuminati meet meetups from yeah. the past. All all three of them, yeah. Very and that's well some cool things to say about like culture. And it's interesting to see like how these assholes like they have like totally bought into this whole idea of like my vision of the world will be such a good place. You know, like it'll yeah. be a, we will bring about peace and. Um, just you know that paving a particular road to hell it was kind of interesting pull having a uh, gavirlo princip the guy who assassinated archduke franz ferdinand uh being the yeah. revolution yeah. um as far as i'm aware he was the only uh quote unquote real person in this book yeah. but um yeah seeing buddy like kind of a not buddy bucky <laughs> adjusting yeah. to his uh his new situation seeing him pulling in peggy carter um, and yeah, we get a cool stinger at the end of the issue where he's apparently sicking Sharon Carter on Steve somehow. We'll see how that pans out. I think that's sort of a red herring. I think she's in. Oh, I'm sure it, it is. I'm sure like, it is. Just let me do what I do, Steve. But Steve's going to fuck it up one way or the other. Um, because this book, the Sentinel Liberty book with Steve eventually has to get back to him sort of being a little bit naive in the modern world. You know what I mean? Because that the book did lean into that a little bit in the first arc, and I think it stepped away from it as Jans, uh, Jansing and Lanning are building into this whole outer circle thing. Because this is a really kind of, in my opinion, this issue is kind of like an establishment issue for these new villains. 
even though they've been teasing them and using them as the pivot point for the whole story up to this point, I think still the overarching theme of the Sentinel of Liberty book, which is a tie into the Sentinel of Liberty book, in no way ties in to the Sam book at all. But they really need to get back to that Steve is naive in a way. You know, I don't know if I necessarily buy into that. I mean, I love that. That was my favorite part of the of this. Story I wouldn't use the term naive. On. I would do the innocent, maybe innocent to a fault, corny to a fault, corny. Okay, corny. I, corny, I love corny. corny doesn't hold the weight though. I don't. You know? But see, I think it's a good word to use because I. It is not as much of an insult as being naive, and I don't sure, think that. Sure. You know, sure. Steve is not naive, but he is kind There's of old time. There's an ignorant innocence there, dude. It's There's not ignorance. Ign- it's like idealism in spite of knowing that he should know better. Like him knowing that he should know yeah. better. Yeah, but what you know? I am waiting for is for Jackson and Lanning. Is that who it is? Is it Kelly. Jackson and Lanning? Huh? Kelly, Kelly and Lanning. Kelly Jack- I thought it was two writers on this book. It is. Kelly and Lansing. Can- Kelly and Lansing. Jackson, um, Lansing, and Colin Kelly. I think I'm getting Abnett and Lanning. In I don't fucking know. Dan no. Abnett. Anyway, they're eventually going to bring this around to show where having the ideal, because really what Bucky here is doing is using logic. You know what I mean? He really is. He sees things the way that they are. It's almost like a Magneto way of looking at things, you know, instead of the ideal that Professor X has. And they're sort of playing off that that those opposing forces with Steve and Bucky, I think. At least that's where I think they're going. They're doing a good this. dynamic. I mean, yeah, I do for think sure, for sure. The, what's interesting about their dynamic is, again, Steve is not naive. He does see the way things are, but his yeah, way of right. doing it is He's the not going to let the times change him. Yes, he is yeah. doing... Bucky is doing that. Bucky is letting the times yes, change. Yes, Bucky yeah. is doing the quote-unquote hard-ass stuff, and Steve doesn't necessarily like it's not from a position of ignorance, but he still holds on to his idealism because he recognizes that you need that, you know? Yeah. Well, whatever. That's enough on this. We've spent too much. No, that's a great book though. I mean, these are the kind of political sort of things, you know, conservatism, but in a way that you're holding on to ideals. I think it's hard to get Captain America. Right. And I think that this book does it. I mean, Captain America was not actually in this book, but um, no, but it's definitely talking about, everything that's precipitated in the other Captain America book. Yeah. And it's still holding tight to the themes that that book established for sure. For sure. Yeah. Great call out on that issue, man. Uh, all right, Dave, you're up with number two. Dope. Uh, my number two is Shaolin Cowboy. Number seven. Cool to be kin. Cool to be kin. Covers. Great. This is the, this is the page that got me. Yeah. Man. Man. Jeff Dar- Darrow. Darrow man, this guy. What great. the fuck? He just puts more detail in a single panel than most people put in an entire book. And it's just amazing. And there's all this subtle social commentary where he names the buildings after, like, anti-gun control, anti-religious, anti-system things. Yeah, there's a lot of that. He's a rebel on the page, dude. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Sorry, I didn't mean to step on your review. (laughs) But, but fuck, what a great issue. It is a great issue. This we book get, retired. This, this, everything Jeff this is, the last, is officially this is, retired. This book is done. The series yeah. is done. Yeah. I, but it does kind of leave a hint open for another Shaolin Cowboy. Well, there will be. Shaolin there Cowboy will be. go on as long as Jeff Darrow is able to hold a pen. But his, this book is just you know a a 
Buddhist monk is fighting a kaiju, essentially. Yeah, basically a giant pig that represents <laughs> no, the no, system, no. the greed of the system. No, the pig. Oh, no, that's not even in this. There is a pig, but yeah, you're right. The one on the cover. That that's is a giant kaiju. That is that is the arms dealer guy that killed the Komodo dragon. Yeah, yeah. That is, but he's just he is just like all this. All Charlie Cowboy is doing is just whipping the shit out of this kaiju crab guy. Yeah. Who? Which crabs are a common theme villain in Charlie Cowboy? Not yeah. to not to this extent, but there's generally are crab villains. <laughs> yeah, and this this series had some Komodos, and we could talk about the whole series, you know. Oh yeah. Early it's... on with the Komodo Dragon Son, that was some heart-wrenching yeah. shit that ended up being just fucking hilarious. Well, the pig just brutal, dude. The pig has a beef with Shaolin Cowboy because the pig thinks that Shaolin Cowboy ate his mother. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of just underlying things. Everybody in this in Shaolin Cowboy just about has a beef with Shaolin Cowboy because Shaolin yeah. Cowboy's appetite <laughs> it's huge. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's one of the best. One is. of the best series of the year for sure, man. It is. It's great. One of the best but of the, he, for the year. But he fights this kaiju-sized mobster, and the one thing he's just concerned about is like after the battle, he's like, "I just want to get me a new hat." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the genius of Jeff Darrow, though, man. He knows when to slip in these little dumb jokes because he knows the the art is going to carry the whole book, and it does. It but, just so does. But we had the return. We had the return of the master, and we had the return of yeah. the Ben Crosby character. Yeah. In the yeah. in the flashbacks where they talk to Shaolin Cowboy about like you know sit like you know the lesson here you need to learn is this you know you remember your yeah. breathing and all you know. Da, 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 remember your breathing. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> being cross me. Yeah, so go, good. Drag on a cigarette. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so good. I mean, what else can you say about oh. Jeff Darrow? You know, he's just that damn good. Jeff he's Darrow is fantastic. Yeah. So hopefully we get another volume, but man, this one was great. What is this? The third or fourth volume of Shaolin Cowboy? I don't, I think it's well past I think it's that. third. I think it's no. the third. No, because Shaolin Cowboys started at Dark Horse, went to Burly Man, came back to Dark Horse. I'm talking Horse. about all of those, though. I think all together there are three or four volumes. Including no, this well, the, look it up. Let's move Yeah, on. look it up. Look it up. Anyway, uh, yeah, great call out for a great series, one of the best of the year. But the number one book of the week, hands down, no argument. I knew it on Monday. 10,000 Black Feathers, number three. Jeff I am inclined to agree that this was the best book I read this week. Yeah, so uh, Dave agrees with me, so we'll only have one more book. But uh, let me get into this. Andrea Sorrentino, Dave Stewart, Jeff Lemire, the best team on the planet right now. This single issue, in my opinion, escalates the entire medium, right? Best creative team on the planet. This is the best book on shelves. Uh, as you see here, Sorrentino has been using two different art styles, right? Yes. And it leads you to believe the book makes you assume that the art styles are corresponding with the past and the future. But really, they're not. As seen here in this issue, they're really corresponding to sort of the loss of innocence. Right. As the two best friends is seen here, one of them is in a, a in the art style that's used when they're young and the others using the art style when they're old. But that's really not what's happening, you know, but as you'll see here, they use these feathers, right? The feather falling through the page 
and the art style changes mm-hmm. through the silhouette of the feather to the art style where they've lost their innocence. And it's just so perfect. And it's done again here with the slap. You know, after the slap, the art style changes for her friend. And that's all coupled with the amazing style that Sorrentino has in all of his books, plus all of the horror themes. I mean, this page right here, holy shit. I was trying to, I, I spent too much time on this page trying to figure out what that said. I mean, oh my God. And then just an amazing cliffhanger as our lead character went and visited the only witness to her friend's murder, you know, all those years ago. And then that dude ends up being apparently ritually sacrificed. Um, yeah, she again, well, she just a perfect issue, man. She this, tricked him into meeting him. Yeah, she tricked him into meeting him, but he still met with her. And, and yeah, yeah. And, but then he ends up being ritually sacrificed, you know, by something. We don't see who, but. Still a lot of mystery, it's, it's but that man. underlying it's that underlying dark character that we were introduced to when they were playing D D is how I figure it. Yeah. Andy Somehow chimed in that, that he loved Captain America and uh also you know Black Feathers is amazing. Yeah, dude, this book is the real deal. Somehow I I I keep thinking that somehow this character, the, the dark character from the D D game has like crossed over like a tulpa or something. Yeah, that's exactly what it feels like. It definitely feels like some sort of tulpa thing. Um, but again, the way they're doing the art in this, the way the design and the work, the communication between creators, you can really feel it. Um, man, it's just a perfect issue. Again, this escalates the medium uh, as a single issue. Uh, well in front, well in front. I mean, you look at the Batmite issue this week or the Night-Night, uh, Night-Might, whatever issue of uh, Nightwing this week and this issue, two of the best issues for the entire year for two completely different reasons. But, yeah, just so well done. And, man, you can't do the things that they did in this issue of 10,000 Black Feathers in any other medium. You just can't do it. The mixing of the art styles, the way the mixing of the art styles is communicating, the way the story is playing out. And I mean, this page right here is all you need to know. The way the feather is silhouetting the different art styles. Um, It's emotion through non-moving pictures. And I mean, what else is there to say? This is why I read fucking comics. This is why I read comics. Taylor, I can't wait for this to be in trade, dude. I know how that's how you I read. I think it'll image. read better yeah, in trade. Uh, oh, it will definitely read better, better in trade. trade. Yeah. But just a spectacular issue. Um, I can't rave enough about it. Uh, we, we need to actually plan for that, guys. You know, it's the last week of uh, November. We need to plan for our January oh. 1, you know, end of the year, best of 2023. Oh, so, man, that, that snuck up on me this year. Yeah. <laughs> it really did. Yeah. So. Uh, look for that, but uh, that leads us to Taylor and his number one. Excellent call out, Dave. Best issue of the year for me so far. But uh, Taylor, number one book of the week. My number one book this week is GCPD: The Blue Wall, number two. Oh my god! Oh crap! This I missed that this fucking week. Fucking book, dude. You missed out then because you missed. Man, out. this book throws gut punches. Yup. You know, like they are grappling with some very real world shit. Yeah. Some very difficult real world issues. And they're doing it a very intelligent, very insightful way. 
but you still know? keeping it inherently within the DC universe. Yeah, they even yeah. like call it out here. In, like, yeah, you have like references to like you know trauma with Two Face, and Ramona Montoya is of course a you know well established character at this point. But it's centering upon these three rookie cops who are going in with all these ideals, wanting to be you know to do good in the world, and they even like say directly in here they are being crushed inside of this machine. That yep. is modern police departments, you know? Yeah. And not like, just that, also the uh, parole officer in here was very, yeah, that was very he, heart wrenching. Yeah. Shit. On the cover here, we have our parole officer, and he was um, really the centerpiece of this particular issue. Yeah. He actually he hardens himself, you know? He listens to his piece of shit, cynical senior officer who's like, you can't be modeling kind of like them. You got to be tough. And it kills a guy. It yeah. literally fucking kills a guy who was reaching out to him, looking for exactly what he wanted to give, but the system had hardened him in such a short time that he he did what he thought he like this guy would want. You know, this is it really hits you hard because it breaks a guy who's trying to do the right thing so fucking quickly, you know? Yeah. Uh, John Ridley is telling an amazing story here, and the reason it's amazing an amazing story is because it's real. All yeah. right, it's not the wire. It's not over sensationalized. Yeah, this is ripped out of headlines, sort of shit. But it's like a documentary about the people who are ripped out of the headlines in the context of people working in the justice system. Yeah, I he mean, is telling a story about the justice system. But he's doing it in the DC universe, in the Gotham yeah. City universe. Like, and it, it's it, brilliant. It's in brilliant. a lot of ways, I can draw a parallel here between uh, this and what I think is one of the more powerful X Men stories: "God Loves, Man Kills." Yes, because in 100%. both cases, you know, I am probably never going to be in a situation where Doctor Doom is threatening to blow up the planet with a moon laser. But this is the sort of shit we deal with in the real world, you know? Yeah. Reverend Stryker is the exactly kind of bigoted, hateful televangelist mouthpiece that you would see in real life. And here you, this is the system that's supposed to serve and protect and how cynical and hardened. And, you know, a lot of guys are just like assholes who are looking for permission slips. Yeah. And, you know, that's such a, what the fuck are you supposed to do about that? They also address that in this issue, right? We're like, right, right. you, man, I, you're, you think you're going to come in here and you're going to dismantle, you know, 300 years of white supremacy and white privilege, man, exactly. that's naive as hell, man. Yeah. Um, Ridley could have very easily gone in here and done a police procedural that was boilerplate and things like that. But what he's doing is he also could have come into a book like this and been, 100% bemoaning of the individual parts of the system. There's problems with judges. There's problems with the bureaucracy. There's problems with the cops on the beat. And there are. But what Ridley is doing is sort of pointing all that and saying, no, the real problem is systemic. Yeah. He's really leaning into that hard. It really elevates and, and, his But book. not to the point where he's giving everybody an out. Yeah. You know what I mean? These I people mean, are struggling with the same, with the system. These people are struggling in terms of dealing with the system the same way that we are. They have our same frustrations. And Ridley's really communicating that so well in this book. Yeah, it really elevates this book is that like yep. 
you don't just have like stupid caricature people going around being like cartoonishly corrupt. You, they're corrupt in the way that you would maybe even understand, given the yes. kind of that they're stuck in. You yes, know? you can almost be that empathetic. You can understand you why these people are jaded. You know? Yeah. Yes. Yes, dude. Yeah. I mean, how about a week? Honest to God, Bone Archer Mythos, uh, Ten Thousand Black Feathers. That's Book of the Year contender. Mm. GCPD, Book of the Year contender for Eisner's. You know that that Night Night book, that Nightwing book. That's issue of the year contender. That's the kind of thing the award panels fucking love. They love the kind of shit that happened in Nightwing this week. Um, plus all the mainstays. Plus an I Hate Fairyland debut. Man, we have been spoiled rotten. Um, next week is not as great. Um, thanks for hanging well, out. We everybody. had two weeks in a row. You know, We did. More than we we're usually gonna, <laughs> We're going to talk about all of those books that are coming out. Next week on tomorrow night's show, it'll be a David or pardon me, a Gomer and Taylor hour. David will not be here. No, but sorry. Uh, yeah, come back and check that out. You can get links to where you can find that on outrightgeekery.com. Links to everything we got going on is over there Patreon, the store, the social medias, the movies, the YouTubes, the podcasts, the audios, and the comic book bullies. Our pals over there, Leroy and Eli, always doing uh, good stuff, having a good time. Uh, not really sure what they're leaning into this week, um, but Leroy was pissed that they left some dude off of the uh, credits for Black Panther, some comic book writer. So that'll be fun. Uh, shameless plug for Mandy. December is Stan Lee month over at Outright Geekery uh, Facebook group. Go over there. Go to Facebook. Search for Outright Geekery. Join the group. Stan Lee would have been 100 years old this year. Excelsior! Oh, Excelsior for real. Face front, true believers. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, keep coming back, y'all. We really appreciate it. Thanks for hanging out. But most of all, thanks to these guys for hanging out with this guy. Always, Always fun. fun. We are going to do it again <laughs> next time. Same geek time, same geek channel. Well, copycat. Yeah.